it's time for you all to wake up and shift your paradigm. This world is the kingdom of darkness and we are living in its last days. It won't be long before the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. The heavens shall pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat and the earth and everything therein shall be burnt up. The Luciferian elite have been setting up the new world order and now they've established the globalist beast system for the rise of that wicked one and revealing of the man of sin who comes after the workings of Satan. Don't take my word for it. Read the Bible and you'll know that perilous times shall come in the last days and we are in the last days. Tales of myth and fantasy have swept the world. Stories that fill the mind with ideas of adventure and intrigue. But are these merely harmless stories from the imaginations of men? The Bible foretells that the time would come when men would not hear sound doctrine, but would turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Everybody here has heard of Pottermania. Pottermania has uh, taken the world by storm. In fact, uh, John Rowling's book series, the Harry Potter series, uh, has uh, basically captivated not only the nation, not only the United States of America, but many, 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 many countries throughout the world. And I believe that you and I need to be aware of what this is about, because uh, is it possible that there's something maybe sinister uh, going on in regard to the Harry Potter series? the young wizard in training who's conjured up an international phenomenon harry potter is back back at hogwarts back on bookshelves and back to cast another spell on adults and children alike you can see when the child gets immersed in the harry potter series he begins to get an idea that hey if you don't like magic or you're not against magic you know you're not cool and magic and sorcery and witchcraft are cool. And you can see there's actually a little bit of a, what I believe, a brainwashing process that takes place as children are uh, meant to, or are brought to believe that witchcraft and the things that were considered taboo and forbidden in scripture and definitely are forbidden in scripture, all of a sudden they're no, they no longer fear uh, these things and all of a sudden they're open to witchcraft and the occult. Harry Potter! 
I tell you what, I don't want to have anything to do with sorcery. And I don't want to have anything to do with books that glorify sorcery. And if I love my children, I don't want them to go to Lake of Fire, but I want them to go to heaven. I'm not going to give them books that are going to seduce them into a practice or seduce them into what's seducing so many children into being desensitized to the very things that are abominations to God. Welcome to People in the News. For Paul Azan, I'm Anderson Cooper. He's the young wizard in training who's conjured up an international phenomenon. Harry Potter is back. Back at Hogwarts, back on bookshelves, and back to cast another spell on adults and children alike. Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix is the latest installment of a series that has sold more than 195 million books worldwide. The Harry Potter phenomena has literally swept the world. CNN reports that the books have been translated into at least 47 languages, from Albanian to Zulu. Upon the release of Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Barnes & Noble claimed to sell 80 copies per second within the first 24 hours. Author J.K. Rowling has gone from rags to riches, referring to Harry as her savior, admitting that the series pulled the single mom out of poverty. Today, she is one of the wealthiest women in Great Britain. Listed among the world's best-known billionaires, her fortune is greater than the Queen's. All thanks to an imaginary boy wizard named Harry Potter. Hollywood has joined the marketing frenzy. Warner Brothers has now produced three of the books into movie blockbusters with reportedly more to follow. But can the Harry Potter craze be due to the author's brilliant imagination only? Or could there be some other unseen power behind it all? Pastor Joe Schimmel has dedicated nearly 25 years to researching occult phenomena from a biblical perspective. He is best known for his groundbreaking documentary, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, a work that has impacted millions of viewers around the world. In his research, Pastor Schimmel explores the disturbing details of J.K. Rowling's work. The author claims that Harry Potter came to her fully formed. But is this merely a figure of speech? Or did an unseen power from the occult realm literally design this character for her with a hidden purpose in mind? Join Pastor Schimmel as we explore this phenomenon to discover if Harry Potter could be a spirit conspiracy. Everybody here has heard of Pottermania. Pottermania has uh, taken the world by storm. In fact, uh, Joanne Rowling's book series, the Harry Potter series, uh, has uh, basically captivated not only the nation, not only the United States of America, but many, many states, throughout, many, many countries throughout the world. And I believe that you and I need to be aware of what this is about, because uh, is it possible that there's something maybe sinister uh, going on in regard to the Harry Potter series? The first time I became aware of the Harry Potter series is when I 
I got a phone call from a Teresa Schultz who lives in Moore Park, California, and she had called me up and uh, told me that she was struggling with uh, her child. It was mandatory that her child uh, would have to have the Harry Potter series read to him in school. And her being a Christian and knowing what the Bible says about the occult and, and witchcraft and magic arts and so forth and uh, uh, how they're categorized as being uh, part of the satanic kingdom, uh, she had a hard time with that. And at the time that I had talked to her, she had already been dealing on a national level uh, with uh, CNBC and other major news stations because she had actually pulled her child out of the school system. Now, uh, just recently, the box that you see right here, uh, the Harry Potter collection, was just recently given to me by a school teacher uh, named Cindy, who uh, wanted to didn't want anything to do with the books because they were sent to her by Scholastic, uh, Rowling's publisher, uh, in an effort to get school teachers to bring them into the schools more. Now these books are all over. Uh, the schools being read to students and so forth. Fourth grade teacher Lee Williams gave this testimony about Harry Potter on CNN describing his appeal to young students. His loneliness, his isolation, the fact that he's an orphan, that he's been abused physically and emotionally by the Dursleys, and He's very much alone in the world. I think the children all see Harry as a hero, but in the very simplest of forms. He's the Superman of Hogwarts. He rescues his friends. He saves the day. He always comes out on top. I think it's absolutely amazing because books that glorify the occult and magic arts and, and, and witchcraft and so forth are allowed to be shown in the, or you know, read in the public school system. However, could you imagine if there was a boy by the name of Harry Potter, and he was a Christian, and he grew up, and it was about how he went to the seminary, and he learned how to reach the lost for Christ, and preach the gospel, and he, he went into India, and built orphanages, and, and hospitals, and, and turned India around, and they started turning to Jesus Christ. Instead of worshiping rats, they were worshiping God, and the, the disease rate, you know, turned around and, uh, you know, and, and everybody, you know, started loving the Lord. Could you imagine if that series was written on that? Would that be allowed in uh, the public school systems? No, the ACLU would be all over that, wouldn't they? The ACLU would jump all over that. However, you can push the religion of witchcraft and the occult, and it doesn't seem to be a problem. Well, it is. And uh, several states, at least 13 different states, it's been challenged here in the United States of America. Uh, Michigan actually has banned the Harry Potter books from being read out loud. And if a child does a report on Harry Potter, he must have a uh, permission slip from his parent. So there are many people that are very, very concerned about the Harry Potter series. Harry Potter is basically a skinny child who uh, grew up basically as with his adoptive parents, uh, not really knowing where he had come from. Uh, they were, they're called muggles. Muggles are uh, you know, non-magical people. And very often they're portrayed as being, uh, you know, uh, you know, very strange and strict and, and evil because they don't accept or they're very against uh, magic and so forth. Not all muggles are necessarily against magic in the series, but you can see when the child gets immersed in the Harry Potter series, he begins to get an idea that, hey, if you don't like magic or you're not against magic, you know you're not cool. Uh, what happened? I swear I don't know. Woman in the glass was there and then it was done. It was like magic. There's no such thing as 
magic. And magic and sorcery and witchcraft are cool. And you can see there's actually a little bit of a, what I believe, a brainwashing process that takes place as children are uh, meant or are brought to believe that witchcraft and the things that were considered taboo and forbidden in scripture and definitely are forbidden in scripture, all of a sudden they're no longer, they no longer fear. Uh, these things and all of a sudden they're open to witchcraft and the occult. Now I'm not saying that every child that reads the Harry Potter series uh, is going to become a wizard or a witch, but I am going to say this, every child that reads the Harry Potter series and gets into the Harry Potter series and likes the Harry Potter series is basically going to be desensitized towards the very things that the Bible condemns, the things of darkness. At least that is going to take place. Now, Harry Potter gets a note, gets a, a series of letters that come to him, and finally he gets a letter he's able to uh, have read, and it says, We are pleased to inform you that you have been accepted at Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. Now, Hogwarts is a boarding school uh, where Harry learns how to become a wizard, and he becomes a very adept wizard at that. Diagonally. And his wizardry and uh, so forth, he grows in his knowledge of wizardry as he takes classes on spells and classes on divination and classes on potions. I don't expect many of you to appreciate the subtle science and exact art that is potion making. I can tell you how to bottle fame, brew glory, and even put a stopper in death. All these things forbidden in uh, the word of God. Now. I don't know of any, I don't know of any biblical experts on the occult that approve of this series. Now there are some liberal believers who are in leadership and actually look to us regarding their opinion of this and their opinion is actually tooted as though it's good, uh, but they aren't biblical experts on the occult. I haven't heard one biblical expert on the occult approve this series. In fact, every biblical uh, expert on the occult has denounced this series and the more he or she becomes aware of the series, denounces it uh, even more. And I think that's important. Now, we will deal with some of those who have actually endorsed the series within uh, the professing Christian world, the evangelical world, and we'll look at what they have to say. But I want you to understand, it's very important that we understand that there's an occult explosion taking place in our world today. In fact, one of the ways that God says, and uh, says that he is the true and living God and how he proves that he's the true and living God is by saying that he alone can tell the future in advance. He says, I tell the end from the beginning. In fact, uh, psychics and wizards and witches, they can get one or two or three percent of their predictions right. Uh, according to the Bible, if you don't get your predictions right, you're considered a false prophet. However, the Lord is 100% accurate. And that's one way we can look to the Bible like no other book. And we know it's the word of God because over and over again, the prophecies uh, have come to fulfillment. Now, incredibly, one of the most amazing prophecies that's actually taking place in our day is the occult explosion. Often when we talk about prophecy being fulfilled, we look at things, for instance, like Israel becoming a nation again. Israel becoming a world power. Many, many, much of the world hating Israel. All this is in prophecy uh, to take place in the end times. But one of the prophecies that many people fail to realize that's taking place in our world today is the occult revival, the occult uh, explosion that is happening all around us and the Harry Potter series is just part and parcel of a greater movement where there's a paradigm shift uh, here in the West 
from uh, biblical Christianity to occultism and witchcraft and Wicca and the New Age movement and so forth. I mean, these things are very popular in the world that we live in. However, the Word of God says very clearly that this would happen. In fact, the Apostle Paul said in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, he said, This know that in the last days, perilous times will come. Difficult times will come. Men will be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth-breakers, false accusers, inconvenient, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. He says they will creep into uh, women's houses who are weak-willed and led astray by various lusts, and they will, be, they will bring them captive. He says, ever learning, yet never coming to the knowledge of the truth. Then he goes on to say, just as Jannies and Jambres resisted Moses, so these men shall oppose the truth. He says, these are men that are reprobate uh, uh, concerning the faith. Now, it's interesting because Paul says in the last days, these perilous times would come. But what he says would take place is there would be men, just like in the days of Jannies and Jambres, when they opposed Moses. Who was Jannies and who was Jambres? Jannies and Jambres were the magicians, the occultists, the Harry Potters of their day in Pharaoh's court. And the scriptures say that in the last days there'll be many people like that spreading like uh, the tentacles of an octopus into people's homes, leading them astray as Jannies and Jambres did with their counterfeit power, with their magic and so forth. Now Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24, that false Christ and false prophets, he said, will arise showing great signs and wonders, deceiving, if possible, even the very elect of God. On uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 13, it talks about the false prophet who serves the Antichrist and brings the world into worship of the Antichrist through lying signs and wonders. And it says he even brings down fire uh, from heaven in the sight of mankind. And in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, it speaks of the coming of the Antichrist. It says, A him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders and all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish because they refuse to love the truth that they might be saved. Therefore God gave them over to a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, uh, that they all might be damned who had pleasure in wickedness, but they didn't love the truth, the scriptures say. So the scriptures predict that this time would come. Uh, in fact, in Revelation chapter 9, we're told very, very clearly that the world will not repent of its sin, and it will not repent of its murders, of its thefts, of its sorceries, of its what? Of its sorceries, of its pharmakeia there. Revelation 9 says a third of the earth at that point during the tribulation period will be destroyed by fire and smoke and so forth. But even after that judgment comes upon the earth, and the judgments come upon the earth, we're told, that the nations might learn righteousness. Well, there we're told in Revelation chapter 9, verses 18 through 21, that they did not repent of their worship of demons and of their magic arts or, the, or of their sorcery, their pharmakeia. And it's interesting because the Bible not only says that there will be this occult explosion, but the Lord God says that people will turn in mass to the occult, but they will refuse to repent and give up the worship of spiritual beings, of demonic principalities, and they'll refuse to give up their magic or their occultism. In fact, Paul said in 1 Timothy 4, he said, the Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter days some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. That's a very important verse. Because Paul said, in the latter days, the Spirit of God reveals to us that some will depart from the faith, from the Christian faith. What will they turn to? Seducing spirits and 
doctrines of demons. Now, how are doctrines put out? Doctrines are put out through songs. Doctrines are put out usually through writing. And it's interesting uh, that they would be seducing spirits. They would be doctrines that would come forth cer through certain writers and uh, certain people, whether it's sharing audibly or through a literary format or what have you. But they would, these false doctrines would come out, but they would be with seducing spirits. In other words, the devil wouldn't come out in all of his naked deformity and say, hey, worship me. It would come in the form of something like Harry Potter. Hey, isn't this cute? Isn't this beautiful? You could be a wizard too, and what have you. In fact, we are actually living in those days. We've got the New Age movement, we've got Wicca, we've got Harry Potter, we've got all kinds of stuff going on in our day. And I have to let you know, it's the Harry Potter series, I have no doubt about it, from people I've talked to, uh, from the study and research I've done, which has been much, uh, that it's a full-blown doorway into the occult. In fact, the testimony of children that is found uh, not only from the words of Rowling's own admissions, but from the words that you can find on at this very day, unless they take them off on the Scholastic website. That's her publisher, Scholastic. You go to Scholastic, you see on their website all kinds of testimony from children who want to uh, get more and more involved in magic and become witches and become wizards. It's undeniable. You can't deny these facts. This is very, very important to me because before I was a Christian, I had opened myself up to occult powers. And you know what? I wasn't even into the Harry Potter series. I mean, it was long ago, obviously, when I was a teenager. But I just started getting into the power of the subconscious mind and psycho-cybernetics and just reading things about uh, tapping into the power of the subconscious mind. And I had opened myself up radically to the demonic world. How much more so if I start trying to practice wizardry and witchcraft, which is condemned in the Bible. Now, it's interesting because uh, I believe this is an entryway to for children into the occult realm. In fact, you have a few stages with children and adults. In fact, this series is as popular with adults as it is with young people. It's a full-blown entryway in to the child's heart. And the first step for a child is, is to, first of all, uh, uh, you know, become obsessive. First of all, they're introduced, okay? They're introduced through an entryway, but as they begin to read, they can't get enough, and that's how it's been with the Harry Potter series. And first of all, you have an obsession. And the kids, you know, you, know, you know why they're reading? Because they're intrigued with the idea that as a child, they can have so much power and that this power could be used to manipulate others and situations and so forth. But it begins with an obsession. You're a great wizard. He's brave and adventurous. And he doesn't care what people tell him to do. Harry's friendly. Harry's not scared of anything. Harry Potter is braver than anyone I've ever met. Harry's... Amazing. And he doesn't care what people tell him to do. Then after that obsession has taken place for some time, oftentimes what takes place next is oppression. Okay? Demonic oppression. Demons begin to, uh, they open themselves up to demonic principalities and powers that begin uh, to give them nightmares, to uh, uh, give them mystical experiences and so forth. And as they open themselves up even more, uh, the, the final state is possession, where demons actually possess uh, children. In fact, we read many times in Scripture where even children were possessed by demon spirits that Jesus had to cast out. And the occult is a known way by anybody who studied the occult to demonic possession. Even occultists, even uh, Satanists and witches and, and Wiccans will admit that possession could take place uh, through uh, occult practices. But we don't need what they have to say. We have the authority of the Word of God, which forbids it and shows it as an open door to Satan. Now, 
Rowling said that as she's writing her books, they're getting darker and darker. She says, I hope they don't get too scary. They're getting darker and darker. Isn't that interesting? And isn't that how seducing spirits work? You know, so, I mean, think of Britney Spears. When Britney Spears first came out, she was on the Mickey Mouse Club. All the parents thought, oh, Mickey Mouse, Disneyland. It must be, you know, it's just entertainment, even though Disneyland has for years been filled with occult uh, themes in a lot of their movies. Through wind and darkness, I summon thee. Speak. Let me see thy face. In fact, I think that's one of the things that's allowed the Harry Potter series to go unchallenged in many quarters is so much sorcery that's been pumped in to the West through different outlets. But it's interesting to me that Britney Spears starts out as, you know, this Mickey Mouse Club gal. And then before you know it, she's a pop singer. And the kids are, oh, parents are like, hey, she must be fine. And sadly, you know, a lot of parents, you, know, you don't see where this is going, but we've got to be very attuned to what's going on in the world and, and what the scriptures say and so forth. Because before you know it, kids are singing along with her about premarital sex. And then all of a sudden, Britney Spears is stripping, you know, on, on the award ceremonies, music award ceremonies. And then before you know it, she's not just stripping, but she's gyrating and pretending she's having sex with a guy and so forth. And then before you know it, uh, all of a sudden she's, you know, with Madonna and Christina Aguilera kissing together in a mock lesbian wedding with a wedding chapel and everything on MTV. And then before you know it, Britney Spears is into Kabbalah, occultism, uh, numerology and so forth, which is forbidden in the word of God. And now she's gotten so into Kabbalah and, and her uh, belief in the occult that Britney Spears is now walking around wearing the number of the Antichrist, 666, upon her. In fact, uh, in this magazine, Us magazine right here, picture of Britney Spears, and uh, we've got the page 666 on her, uh, uh, her shirt. And, you know, who would have thought, you know, when she was in the Mickey Mouse Club, she would be advertising the number of the beast. And you say, well, does that mean everybody's going to run out and take the number of the beast? No, but you know what? It means people are going to be desensitized to that number as being evil. In our rock video, they sold their souls for rock and roll. We show, uh, the t in the 10-hour version, we show a ton of different bands that promote the number of the beast. Iron Maiden singing that it's the number for you and me. And this is all a prelude, a climate that Satan is fostering to bring forth uh, the, the Antichrist system and the number of the beasts in the future. And I don't have any doubt that the Harry Potter series, as it gets darker and darker, will bring people more and more into uh, the occult realm. In fact, it's interesting because uh, when the stars do it, a lot of other people think, hey, it can't be so bad. I mean, Christina Aguilera, Britney Spears, and Madonna have all advertised Pepsi. Why do you think Pepsi has paid those gals millions of dollars to advertise their drink? You think they're throwing away their money? No, they know that when young people and older people see them just next to a Pepsi, right? It's going to sell millions of dollars worth of Pepsi. So it is when people like Harry Potter or characters like Harry Potter are made up that become superheroes in a child's mind, all of a sudden they want to be like Harry. You know, how many of you were a kid, man, when you, know, when you, were, you were a kid, tried to emulate uh, your heroes? But the thing is, is there's a real world of the occult all around children today. I just mentioned Madonna and Britney Spears, both into Kabbalah. There's all kinds of people that the kids are growing up along with Harry Potter that are into uh, real occult practices, and it's a real easy transition from uh, the Harry Potter series into the occult. In fact, journalist Ellen Mackay, uh, in an article that was published on, uh, on WorldNet Daily, uh, she says 
uh, speaking of pot, the Potter series as a publishing phenomena, she says, many parents see Harry Potter, and I quote, as Satan's secret agent sent to surreptitiously ensnare souls. The world has morphed into Planet Potter. Your witch wizard wannabes wait round the block lines for the film version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. I want to be a wizard, responded two young sons of actor Rob Lowe when asked what they gleaned from the movie. Now, actor Rob Lowe's sons, after watching the Harry Potter movie, saying they wanted to be wizards is not an anomaly. It's happening all over the place. In fact, uh, Time Magazine reported in an article titled uh, Wild About Harry that, quote, when the third of J.K. Rowling's tales about a boy wizard hit U.S. bookstores last week, copies flew off the shelves. And no wonder, who wouldn't want to know more about Hogwarts? Well, the article goes on to say Rowling's uh, secret is as simple and mysterious as her uncanny ability to nourish the human hunger for enchantment. She knows how to feed the desire, not just to hear, uh, to read a story, but to live it as well. Rowling, in her own admission, in her interview with Newsweek's Malcolm Jones, she said this about Harry Potter and the Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. She said, quote, this is right from her own mouth. She says, I get letters from children addressed to Professor Dumbledore. He's the headmaster at Hogwarts a School of Witchcraft and Wizardry, which is the book setting. And it's not a joke, she says begging to be let into Hogwarts. They're begging, let me into this school. You know, then she says, and some of them are really sad because they want it to be true so badly that they've convinced themselves it's true. Now, that's interesting because she's, I've heard her say with glee in one of her interviews with uh, Rames over in Washington about how when the children read the book so often, she says, they believe the characters are real, you see. And isn't it interesting because children have a hard time very often at a young age discerning the difference between fantasy and reality. And even if it's pure fantasy and they understand it as fantasy, it's still glorifying something that God condemns. Okay? If you have a, a fantasy about a serial killer and how he just kills so many people and, he, and he's glorified, even if it's not a real account of that serial killer, that would not be good to give your children because Killing people as a serial killer is wicked in the eyes of God. And it could also inspire thoughts in your child's heart. In fact, Ted Bundy, a serial killer who killed dozens of, of, of people, he admitted acknowledged that he got his start from just little stories he read. And boom, it had unleashed this thing in me. Bundy's lawyer, Polly Nelson, explains how the killer's inspiration for murder began with the materials he was reading. And he would go through people's trash and look for interesting things and the thing that interested him most at first were detective novels and detective magazines and he read them very carefully and began to fantasize living out these stories by the time he was apprehended bundy had killed at least 28 young women and girls yet estimates for his total murders exceed 100. he was finally convicted and sentenced to death for killing a 12-year-old girl and dumping her body in a pigsty. After more than 10 years of appeals and legal maneuvering, a judge gave the order for Bundy's execution. Hours before his death, Theodore Robert Bundy gave a final interview with Dr. James Dobson, where he gave this warning about the youth of America. But I'll tell you, there are lots of other kids 
playing in streets around this country today who, who are going to be dead tomorrow and the next day and the next day and next month because other young people are reading the kinds of things and seeing the kinds of things that are available in the media today that send young kids down the road to be Ted Bundy's. Admittedly, there is no record that anyone reading the Harry Potter books has given themselves over to the sort of crimes committed by Ted Bundy. Nevertheless, Bundy's testimony stands as a warning. Some have argued that only the weak-minded would be influenced by books, movies, and other entertainment. But Bundy himself was known as the high IQ killer, a man with a superior intellect from a reportedly Christian household who had no typical reason for committing the crimes he was guilty of. His chief admission is that he was slowly conditioned by the materials he was exposed to, a conditioning that, at some point, unleashed a monster from within. Isn't that interesting? What is being unleashed by millions and millions of children getting into Harry Potter? I mean, there is a huge paradigm shift ready to take place, even beyond what we've already seen as these younger people explore the occult and the demonic world just explodes through all kinds of willing uh, emissaries. Now, it's interesting because uh, I can continue to quote from, in fact, I'll quote from a couple of things taken right from Scholastic, uh, her publisher's website. Uh, she says also, quote, I have met people who assure me very seriously that they are trying to do them. Trying to do what? Her spells. She meets people that are saying, I'm trying to do your spells. Uh, it's interesting. Another thing from the Scholastic website, uh, more evidence that children are being lured in mass. Uh, there's a 14-year-old by the name of Rachel. And after reading Harry Potter, she says, she says, I like Ron and uh, Hermione and Harry a lot. I would love to be a witch or a wizard. Christian, age 10, from Oklahoma. She said, quote, I know some people say magic is not real. Ever since I read Harry Potter, it opened up a whole new world to me. Okay, now this is out of the mouth of Rowling and out of the mouth of uh, people that have written uh, little kids on the Scholastic uh, website, on the message boards there about what they want to be after reading uh, the Harry Potter uh, series. Uh, it goes on and on. In fact, let me read several others just uh, taken from different places. Uh, several other heartbreaking examples of what's happening to children. Gaia at the age of 10, she says, I like what they learn there, speaking of at Hogwarts, and I want to be a witch. Okay. Nicole, age 13, she says, I wish I could do magic. If I could do magic, I might be a, a parcel tongue. That's one who communicates with serpents. Uh, or a necromancer, that's one that communicates with the dead, forbidden in the scripture. Lily, at the age of 11, Lily says, I thought this story really made you feel like you could be a witch or a wizard. Grace, age 13, says, do I ever wish I could perform magic like Harry? Ever since I've started reading these, uh, the series, I've daydreamed about that. I'd love to go to a place like Hogwarts. Zhang, at the age of 12, says, I think uh, arithmetic, which is divination by numbers, is quite interesting. He also says he's fascinated by uh, potions, which the Bible uh, condemns as pharmakeia. Rebecca, at the age of 12, says, I dream about being a witch so I could get revenge on a few people. Another says that she wishes she had those kinds of powers so she could hex her teacher. Now, on and on and on, I could give you tons of quotes like this. In fact, I've limited it to just those, maybe a couple more later, and a couple of the other videos that we're going to do in this series. But that gives you a, a, a clue in as to what many children are thinking. 
So somebody says, ah, oh, it's not going to lead anybody into Satanism and witchcraft and the occult or wick or anything like that. Ah, uh, you know, Harry Potter won't do that. That would never happen. Guess what? It's already happening all over the place. It's already happening all over the place. In fact, many Christians, sadly, have jumped on the bandwagon. And if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ and you've been reading the series, you know, hopefully you didn't do it knowingly. Hopefully you're a new Christian or you really haven't been into the scriptures to see what the Bible says about the occult or you didn't make the connection, but hopefully God is helping you make it now. Hopefully you're going to do something about it because it's categorically condemned in the word of God. In fact, uh, you say, well, a lot of people are into it, but the Bible says not to be conformed to the world in Romans 12, but to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Amen. And Jesus said that I've chosen you out of the world. And the Bible says, love not the world, neither the things in the world, for all those other worlds, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, and the world is passing away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God, he says, abides forever. And James says, you adulteresses, you know you're not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. Whoever therefore will make himself a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Now, I think this is so important because you can't just say, well, what's the world into? You can't stick your finger in the air and say, which way is the wind blowing? The Bible says, woe unto those who go with the majority. As Christians, we've been called out of the world. Jesus said, enter the straight gate, for broad is the way, and wide is the gate that leads to destruction. And many go that way, but straight and narrow is the way that leads to life, and few are those who find it. We are called to be separate. The Bible says, be ye separate, saith the Lord. What fellowship, the scriptures say, do believers have with unbelievers and what fellowship it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 verses 14 through 17 does light have with darkness we've been called out of darkness as scriptures as, as the scriptures teach us and sadly so many people are immersing themselves in darkness Jesus warned that which is highly esteemed among man is an abomination to God now if we follow Lord Jesus Christ and he says that which is highly esteemed among man like the Harry Potter series is an abomination to God, we better make sure that the Harry Potter series or uh, a series that exalts in the, uh, uh, exalts in the occult is not promoting something that God considers an abomination. God forbid, does anybody here want to be a professing Christian and claim to follow Jesus and truly desire to follow Jesus and, and be reading a book that's an abomination to God and promotes abominations before the Lord? Now, what does the Bible call abomination? It calls many things an abomination. When Jesus said that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination to God, I want to find out what he's talking about. What is it, Lord, that you think is an abomination? I want no part of it. Because the scripture, the scripture is to guide us, not human opinions. So let's go to the word of God. And let's put human op uh, uh, opinions one way or another aside. And let's see what the word of God has to say. What's interesting in Leviticus the scriptures talk about things uh, like homosexuality and bestiality, sex with animals and, and, and incest, different things like that as being an abomination to God. In Leviticus chapter 18, verses 20 through, two through 23, we read, You shall not lie with a male as one lies with a female. It is an abomination. Also, you shall not have intercourse with any animal to be defiled with it, nor shall any woman stand before an animal to uh, mate with it. It is a perversion. So we understand these are abominations. These are perversions before the Lord. So we say, you know, not only, even without the Bible, you see that a male and a female were made to be together. It doesn't produce disease when a, a male and a female are monogamous together, but the, uh, two men being together, it's... It's, uh, it's biologically unsound and it causes disease. And the Word of God says they weren't designed to be that way. And God speaks very clearly to the issue that it's an abomination to him. But it's interesting, the same Bible that calls things like incest and homosexuality and adultery and rape and, and these different sexual uh, deviancies and abomination calls the occult an abomination. When God was leading the people of Israel, the children of Israel, into the Promised Land, 
he was having the people that were there wiped out because they were sacrificing their children to devils and things like that. And they were practicing many of the things we read about actually in the Harry Potter series as well. In fact, uh, in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, God says when he takes you in the land, he warns them to stay away from different, these, these different occultic practices. In fact, he says in Deuteronomy 18, 9 through 12, When thou art come into the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee, thou shalt not learn to do after the abominations of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes a son or his daughter to pass through the fire, or that uses divination, or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. That's happening throughout this book as well. Or consult with familiar spirits. Or a wizard. Harry Potter's a wizard. Or a necromancer. There's necromancy in here in these books. He says, all who practice these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these things, the Lord drives them out from before thee. These are abominations. And those who practice these things are an abomination to the Lord. So how can someone who practices these things, a fictional character made up and fantasized about, that practices these things, be someone I glory in and I'm excited about and I can't get enough of? I've got to check my heart. Say, Lord, what does your word say about these things? Because God's law condemns these things. In fact, in Malachi chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord says, Then I will draw near to you for judgment, and I will, be, I will be a swift witness against the sorcerers and against the adulterers. God puts sorcerers on the same list. He puts adulterers. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, I want to ask you what I believe is, it will be a very revealing question. How many of you? Let's be honest. Let's everybody just be very honest. How many of you, if there was a book... That uh, came out, a series written by somebody else called Harry Potter uh, and the Hogwarts School of Sexual Perversion and Sadomasochism. And in that book, it was about a young boy about the age of 11 who gets letters to come to this sex crazed school where he learns to have incest, where he learns to uh, become a, a pedophile and have sex with little kids. Uh, where he learns that when he's an adult to have sex with little kids is, is, could be a good thing, and where he learns to have sex with animals and things like that. How many of you in your right mind, where he learns to become an adulterer and everything else, how many of you in your right mind would give this book to your children and get them into it and say, wow, at least they're reading. How many of you would do that? How many of you? Come on, any hands? Okay, if I see one hand come up, man, we're taking you aside, dude, and dealing with you, you know? Because that would be pretty, pretty gnarly. Now think about this. Why would you not do that? Because those are perversions. Because those things are what? Abominations. Amen? Well, guess what? God calls sorcery, calls witchcraft, calls necromancy, calls consulting the dead, calls these different forms of magic that are throughout the Harry Potter series. He equally calls these things abominations. Are you with me? Okay. Now, we can't have a double standard. We can't say, you know what, God, we agree with you that perverse sex is wrong. We'd never give our child a book that deals, which glorifies perverse sex. But are we going to esteem highly that which the world esteems highly, which is very much perverse sex in our world and certain parts of it, to be sure. But are we going to uh, rejoice in necromancy and sorcery and divination and witchcraft and wizardry and so forth when God calls it an abomination and he puts it in the same vice list he puts those sexual deviances and he brings the same kind of condemnation upon it that he brings those other things no in fact in the Old Testament it was a capital offense it was a capital offense not only to commit sexual deviancy but to get into witchcraft and wizardry it was a capital offense it was a very very serious crime 
Now today, in the New Testament days, God hasn't changed his opinion about what's right and wrong, but we, as New Testament believing Christians, are not under the Mosaic law and following the civil law of Israel, which condemns those things, and it was a capital offense. We are called to reach the lost. So we're called to reach out to as many people that have embraced occultism as possible and try to bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ and bring them out of darkness into light, out of the kingdom of Satan, into the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen? But it's no less condemned as an evil abomination in the New Testament as it is in the Old. In fact, Paul gives us three different vice lists, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, whereby he lists a cat, uh, categorizes a bunch of different sins of the flesh, which those who practice those things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor uh, thieves, nor covetous, nor revilers, nor drunkards, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. He says they're not getting into heaven. They're not coming into heaven. And you say, but, but sorcery wasn't there on that list. Yes, but it is in Galatians. Because you see, Paul to the Corinthians, when he gave that list, was primarily dealing with a sexual deviancy. So he mentions a bunch of sexual sin. And he was dealing with financial improprieties uh, and so forth. So he mentions thievery, covetousness, and extortion and so forth. Because he's warning the church at Corinth, people that have come into their church that are corrupt. However, when you get to the church of Galatia, Paul's concerned about them being deceived into a false work system for salvation. But he's also concerned about various other sins. Of course, he's worried about uh, an angel preaching another gospel that he says should be accursed. And then he says, who has bewitched you in chapter 3, verse 1. And then he says, he gives a list, a vice list in a few verses of the sins of the flesh. And he lists things like drunkenness and hatred and orgies and sexual immorality. And he lists magic arts or witchcraft. And he says, mark my words. I tell you, even as I told you before, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And true believers are not to be practicing those things. Because he says a few verses later, because he calls those the sins of the flesh or the works of the flesh, a few verses later, he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its affections and desires. We've said no to our flesh, that sinful nature that wants to, to go after evil. We said no, we deny ourselves. Jesus said, if you're going to uh, be a Christian, if you're going to be one of my disciples, he said, you must take up your cross, deny yourself daily and follow me. And then in chapter 6 of Galatians, Paul says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap eternal life. And we shall reap if we continue, he says. Now it's interesting. That's Paul saying that those who practice witchcraft will not inherit the kingdom of God. But what did Jesus have to say on this matter? In the revelation of Jesus Christ, when he visited John on the Isle of Patmos, he gave the book of Revelation, an incredible book. And that's what people should be reading, the Word of God, amen? Not Harry Potter. They should be reading the truth, the Word of God. By the way, how many find the truth far more exciting than lies, amen? And far more beneficial to your eternal soul. Now, it's interesting because in the book of Revelation, right after the Lord gives this wonderful, beautiful description of, of heaven, and he shows us what the new heaven and new earth are going to be like and how there'll be a, a crystal river coming out of the very throne of God, uh, it's very amazing because he says they'll have access to the tree of life. It's going to be so beautiful. But you know what he says? But he says outside. That is uh, outside the city, outside the New Jerusalem, outside paradise are the dogs. 
The dogs is a reference in Deuteronomy 23 to male prostitutes and those who engage in homosexual practices. He says, outside are the dogs and those who practice magic arts and the sexually immoral and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. You see, sorcerers, witches, wizards, those who practice magic arts are put on the same list as uh, murderers. And it says they'll be outside the heavenly kingdom. Well, where will they be? According to Jesus in the book of Revelation in chapter 21, just after we have a wonderful description of heaven again, where there's no more, no more tears, there's no more pain. In the heavenly state, it's going to be so wonderful and so beautiful. And in verse 7 of chapter 21, it says, you know, uh, you know, he that overcometh will inherit all these things. But then in chapter 21, verse 8, it says, but for the cowardly or the fearful, but for the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and sorcerers okay and idolaters and all liars their place will be in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone which is the second death that's not pretty because according to revelation chapter 14 those who are in the lake of fire says the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and they have no rest day or night forever and ever that's heavy I tell you what, I don't want to have anything to do with sorcery. And I don't want to have anything to do with books that glorify sorcery. And if I love my children, I don't want them to go to Lake of Fire, but I want them to go to heaven. I'm not going to give them books that are going to seduce them into a practice or seduce them into what's seducing so many children into being desensitized to the very things that are abominations to God. Now, it's interesting because there's justifications being made, you know, by certain leaders in the, uh, in the evangelical or the professing Christian church. In fact, uh, sadly, very sadly, uh, Christianity Today says this. We think you should read the Harry Potter books to our kids. The literary witchcraft of the series has almost no resemblance to the I Am God mumbo-jumbo of Wiccan circles. Uh, author Rowling has created a world with real good and evil, and it goes on. And I thought, man, when I read that stuff, man, my heart just breaks. It's like, Lord God... These are like wolves in sheep's clothing. You know, here, here the wolves are, you know, devouring the flock through things like this. And, and, and Christians are falling and, and turning straight to doctrines of demons and seducing spirits. And these things are being, you know, stamped with a you know, stamp of approval by those who are regarded as having a, a righteous opinion. And it's heartbreaking because you know what? These things we've just read are abominations to God. These things that are exalted in the Harry Potter series. In fact, let's, I rewrote that, by the way. I rewrote what the uh, Christianity Today wrote. And I just changed, uh, you know, I just changed, you know, sorcery to sexual deviancy. And let's just read it if it was promoting sexual deviancy, what it would say. We think you should read the Harry Potter books to our kids. The literary pedophilia of the series has almost no resemblance to the crazed group Nambla. Okay, now what's wrong with that? You know, okay, it has nothing to do with NAMLA, but you know what? Still, pedophilia is wrong. I don't care how much what we read in the Harry Potter books has to do with the New Age movement. By the way, many of these things you see in the Harry Potter books are, are full-blown in certain New Age circles, and many New Ages are practicing trans-channeling and necromancy, many of the things we read about in the Harry Potter series. However, even if they weren't, these things are still condemned by the Word of God. Chuck Colson. He endorsed the series and said this, quote, It may relieve parents to know that the magic in these books is purely mechanical, as opposed to occultic. That is, Harry and his friends cast spells, read crystal balls, and turn themselves into animals, but they don't make contact with a supernatural world. By the way, that's totally bogus. 
okay? You read the Harry Potter series, which I don't encourage you to do, but they constantly are in contact with the supernatural world, spirits, and so forth. The movies portray that as well. He says, it's not the kind of real-life witchcraft that the Bible condemns. Okay, interesting. I rewrote that one a little bit as, as though he's talking about sex, uh, sexual perversion instead of occult perversions. And I read, quote, It may relieve parents to know that the bestiality of these books is purely mechanical as opposed to supernatural. That is, Harry and his friends rape women, molest children, have incestuous relationships, and have sexual relations with animals, but they don't make contact with a supernatural world. It's not a kind of real-life sexual perversity the Bible condemns. Just because there's a certain kind of occult tradition, and there's several different types of occult tradition, the Wiccan movement has tried to bring a lot of occult tradition together and say that this is, this is witchcraft, but there's been all types of witchcraft long before Wicca was around, and they've just tried to, uh, you know, Gerald Gardner, along with his work with the Lester Crowley, had tried to organize uh, uh, the Wiccan movement and by bringing a lot of strands into a whole, but guess what? There's all sorts of different types of witchcraft, and there was never uh, a, a really unified occult witchcraft system, and Harry Potter is just one other form, uh, uh, another book that, that explores and encourages and seduces children in different forms of the occult that are condemned in the Word of God. And by the way, uh, the Harry Potter series does deal with a lot of real-life uh, type magic. In fact, J.K. Rowling, Joanne Rowling admitted that she said that one-third of the spells and the magic and so forth that she's brought in to the book, one-third of it has come from real magic, uh, the magic that was practiced in the past in Britain. And she says two-thirds that she's made up. So, hey, stuff she's made up goes right along with the other stuff. And all magic basically comes from demons and, and, the, and, the, and the hearts of men mixed together. Now, I think it's quite interesting because what's interesting is when Harry Potter gets this letter... Uh, inviting him to Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry. He's all excited because you see, he's basically this adopted kid who's just ridiculed by the muggles and they don't accept him and they're mean to him and they're cruel to him and his brother's really cruel to him as well and he lives under the stairs and, and just as he starts to you know open up to his powers and so forth uh, in the books as well as in the movie, one of the movies on Harry Potter, you see him all of a sudden get in contact with a huge python, a huge snake. And he gets in communication with the snake, and he begins to converse. The snake, like, winks at him and whispers to him. And all of a sudden, you have this serpent and Harry Potter getting this dialogue going on. I thought, isn't this interesting that all the very things that in the scriptures uh, uh, we read about, the, the symbolism that's used in scripture for Satan is things like serpents and dragons over and over again, you see? And serpents and dragons are, you know, the pets of choice uh, in the Harry Potter series and they're honored and so forth and exalted. All this is right out of the pit, man. And it all goes along with the very occult practices that the Bible condemns. Now, I think it's interesting because with the serpent that he gets in contact with, you could see something's going on there. Supposed, this is supposed to be meaningful in the series. And isn't it interesting that when man turned from God, there was dialogue going on between a woman, Eve, and a serpent. And we read in Genesis chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from the tree in the garden, from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. But God said, You must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
and Eve ends up getting deceived and eating. Isn't that interesting? That's how the Bible starts off. God created everything good and a serpent bringing Eve into a forbidden realm, the tree of knowledge of good and evil and so forth. Well, guess what? Man, the serpent and Rowling and Harry Potter have seduced millions of kids and adults into a forbidden realm, the occult realm that God says is purely evil and opens one up to satanic forces. You see, there's no such thing as white and dark magic as good magic and bad magic. In the Bible, it's all condemned. It's all condemned as being wicked. It's all condemned as being evil and so forth. In fact, in the Harry Potter series, one place you read that there's really no good and evil, just power, you know, and those brave enough to use it or something to that effect. And guess what? You know, we read in the scripture that Satan comes as an angel of light. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, that his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. It says, and no marvel, no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. So uh, Satan wants us to believe, hey man, you know, you can get involved in sorcery and stuff, just do it for the good. It's all Satan's power. God says it's of Satan's realm. It's of his power. And he's a deceiver. He's the father of lies. So he's seeking to deceive people to come into his realm and saying, hey, I'll give you good magic power. And he's opening them up to demonic forces. It's very clear. In fact, uh, uh, one top witch has admitted there's no difference between white and black magic. Anton LaVey, the leader of the Church of Satan, has said there's no difference between black and white magic. It's all the same. You know what? We need to recognize the Word of God. Christians need to understand that when you get into the occult, you're getting into Satan's realm. And Satan is a deceiver. And he will make you think that you're trying to do something good. But he knows it's about power and you wanting power. And he's going to use it to your destruction in the end. In fact, it's interesting that the serpent comes up over and over again as well as the dragon in the scripture as a representation of Satan. Is it merely coincidence that Harry Potter has such strong communication with the serpent, one that increases as the series moves forward? Many Christian researchers agree that for centuries the serpent has represented Satan's communication in the occult sciences and pagan religions of the world. Researchers Dave Hunt and Carol Matriciana explain the significance of the serpent in world religion and more on how it is defined from a biblical perspective. Well, it's interesting that Satan is first introduced to us as a serpent. Now, I don't understand that entirely. Probably he spoke through a serpent, a literal serpent. Uh, and maybe the serpent at that time was very beautiful. They look hideous to me anyway. They're repulsive. Now, somebody says, well, that's a myth. No, it's not a myth. I mean, we have serious scientists today who are trying to communicate with dolphins. They're trying to teach the alphabet to chimpanzees. Now, your North American Indian witch doctors communicate with the spirit in the rock, or in the tree, or in the waterfall, or in the eagle, or whatever. Uh, you have people like Phil Jackson, uh, who is very much into North American Indian witchcraft and the whole thing. It's a very up-to-date idea, because this is the way Satan communicates, through physical things. He doesn't have a physical form of his own. Uh, so all the, uh, you know, if you want to be a shaman from Siberia to South America, why they have power animals. It's a jaguar or a coyote. And they go on a mystical journey uh, to get a spirit guide, which could be an animal. This is what they're into. Now, it's very interesting that the Bible 
is the only <laughs> book that identifies the serpent as the evil one. I mean, if you go back to ancient Greece, uh, uh, the Orphic egg, the symbol of the cosmos, it's got a serpent around it. Uh, if you went to the Oracle of Delphi, three tripods, each one is intertwined with serpents. You go to India, Shiva, one of the Trimurti of the Hindu gods, he's got serpents in his hair. Shiva is the embodiment of the snake, snake power. And he has a snake wound around him and snakes in his hair. And the whole point of snake power is that it is so powerful that you can have that power, that you want that power. Yoga is depicted in the Bhagavad Gita as a raft made out of cobras. You know, and you, the very uh, yoga is presented as a, as a cobra. There are cobra positions in yoga. In uh, yoga, the snake is believed to be coiled at the bottom of the spine, and you wake it up through yoga, and you bring the serpent power up through you and bring it up to your third eye here in the ultimate enlightenment when you become a God-man or the enlightened man. So, in a sense, it doesn't matter what culture one goes, goes through, snake power is divinely powerful, a power to be acquired, a power that in the mystical religions, in the mystery re religions, is a potential within oneself that one, one wants, one, one needs to become a better person. You got the Hopi Indians uh, worshiping serpents. You got them in, in everywhere, all over the world. Every religion, all the pagan religions, serpents, dragons. He's also called the dragon. Dragons. Now you could go to uh, the uh, symbol of modern medicine. Well, it began in the temple of Aesculapius. He was the uh, the Greek and Roman god of medicine. And, you know, the staff of Aesculapius today, the Caduceus, has a serpent, serpents twined around it. Uh, Aesculapius was, was worshipped with serpents because of an ancient myth that said Aesculapius the god had received a healing herb at the mouth of a serpent. Now we have the Genesis story turned inside out. The serpent is no longer the destroyer, he's the healer. How does he heal us? Drugs with herbs. And so modern medicine, for all the good it has done, has been largely responsible uh, for making us a drug society. Oversubscription, <laughs> consciousness altering drugs, and so forth. And if you went to the graduation next June, uh, a major medical school, UCLA, USC, wherever you want to go, they, when they receive their MD degree, they all quote the Hippocratic Oath. I swear by Aesculapius, by Apollo, by Hygieia and Panacea, and by all the gods and goddesses. <laughs> okay, this is how it begins today. <laughs> so this is not myth. The Bible is telling us what's happening is the very heart of the human race. It's a delusion that still haunts us. So then you come to Revelation 12. That old serpent, the devil, called the dragon, the deceiver, who deceives the whole human race. This is what he's been doing down through history and still is doing. And he kind of likes, I don't understand it, but he kind of likes to be known as the serpent. You see, all this is basically promoting a climate to open people up to the spirit world. And you know what? It was predicted. 
The scriptures say, as I mentioned before, that in the last days, some would depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And it's interesting because I really believe that this stuff is demonically inspired. I have no, no doubt about it at all. That this is demonically inspired. In fact, it's interesting because Joanne Rowling, when she wrote, she wrote these books under some very, very interesting circumstances. And she had some, what I would call, mystical experiences in writing these books. You know, that should not shock us, because look at what's coming out of her, right? Well, it's interesting. Joanne Rowling, she was born uh, in 1966, and she says, quote, Halloween, you'd, be, you'd not be surprised to know, is my favorite holiday. She's had an interest in witchcraft since she was young. In fact, Rowling claims that many Wiccans claim that she's a witch. Many Wiccan witches claim that she's a witch. Rowling, if she is, has not come out of the closet. She's denied it. Uh, she says, quote, but I do believe something very magical can happen when you read a good book. Believe me, her books are considered good books. It's interesting, Emily, age 12, that I got off her Scholastica, her publisher's website, says, quote, I would like to meet J.K. Rowling. You just can't stop reading the Harry Potter books. Her books seem to have a magical spell on them. Well, guess what? I do believe demons are very, very powerful. They're very, very seducing. And whether wittingly or unwittingly, I believe that J.K. Rowling has opened her up to the spiritual realm and is being used by the spirits uh, to bring forth what has become the Harry Potter series. In fact, check this out. I've got some very, very interesting uh, quotes to say the least. In fact, uh, Rowling had an interest in the occult and in witchcraft since she was young. Rowling admitted, quote, before I even started writing the books, I knew quite a lot about folklore and magic. Well, that's obvious. In fact, many, many Wiccans just trip out on how knowledgeable she is about the occult and so forth. In fact, so great was her obsession in the dark arts, even from childhood, that her girlfriend, Vicki, stated that Rowling's, uh, Vicki Potter, as a matter of fact, stated that Rowling's favorite thing to do in her youth was to dress up as a witch. So ever since she was young, she's wanted to dress up as a witch and to be a witch. Now, it's interesting. She claimed that her brother, Vicki, claimed that her brother would dress up like a wizard and uh, she and Rowling would dress up as witches, and Rowling would instruct them in witchcraft. And she said uh, that Rowling, of, of Rowling, quote, Joanne was always reading to us. Uh, we would make secret potions for her. She would always send us off to get twigs for the potions. So, you know, she was Halloween and being a witch and, and believing that something magic happens, you know, when you read and so forth. And, and she ended up becoming a school teacher. And... What's interesting, in time, rather than teaching a couple of her friends on what it meant to be a witch or the powers that you could have to be a witch, now she's teaching millions and millions of our children. And she's giving them a taste of what it could mean to be a witch. And many, as I've mentioned from her own words, want to be witches, want to go to Hogwarts from her own uh, publisher's website that they want to be witches and so forth and wizards. Now... Uh, Rowling has uh, said some very interesting things. She says, we all have magic inside us. We all have magic inside us. And it's interesting, when she's asked if this magic was similar to the magic used by witches and wizards in her books, she said, I think we do. Now, it's interesting, when asked in an interview uh, with stories from the web, where do you get the, your ideas from? Meaning like your characters and so forth. Isn't it interesting? Listen to what she said. She said, I wish I knew. Sometimes they just come. And according to stories on the web, they have it put this way. I wish I knew sometimes they just come, and in parentheses, like magic. Now, it's interesting. Uh, 
Rowling admits, admits that sometimes it'll take her, you know, a week to sometimes work something out, but she admits that often, and especially initially with getting the whole Harry Potter idea, it all flooded into her consciousness. And it was basically uh, given to her if you look at what she's saying. In fact, it's interesting. Uh, there's like a stream of consciousness. Check out what she says. Quote, Harry has a character. Okay, now she's going from Manchester to London in a train when she gets all this, this revelation comes to her. Uh, Harry Potter and so forth. Listen to what she says. Quote, Harry as a character came fully formed, as did the idea of his sidekicks. The character is Ron and her Hermione, who is the brains of the threesome, she said. She goes, it started with Harry. All, then all these characters and situations came flooding into my head. Okay? So Harry came fully formed, introduced himself to her. And then all of a sudden, all these other characters came to her, just flooding into her head on a train ride. Isn't that interesting? Now listen to this. Harry Potter introduced himself to Rowling in such a way that she states, quote, I didn't have to stop and think very hard about my hero. Rowling claims that she was taking this, tr this train trip in 1990. And in an interview, she stated, quote, where the idea for Harry Potter actually came from, I really couldn't tell you. I was traveling on a train between Manchester and London, and it just popped into my head. I spent four hours thinking about what Hogwarts would be like, the most interesting train journey I've ever taken. By the time I got off at King's Cross, many of the characters in the books had already been invented. Now, she also tuned into this stream of consciousness where this stuff was, as she said, kind of fully formed, flooding into her, and she just began, uh, when she stopped, to write all of this stuff down and so forth. And it's interesting how she writes. She says, I see, quote, I see a situation, and then I try to describe it as vividly as I can. So she's got this, she says, very visual imagination. She'll see this stuff, and then she'll just try to describe it uh, in, in a literary format. And I think it's interesting, because Satan works that way very often. In fact, in Luke chapter 4, if you go to Luke chapter 4, you read that Jesus was taken up to a great mountain whereby Satan showed him the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. So he's looking at the kings of the world. He was given a vision in a moment's time. He wasn't taken all over the planet. He was shown the kingdoms of the world in a moment's time. And Satan said to bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all these. And Jesus basically told him to take a hike. He said, it is, it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and serve him only. Get behind me, Satan. Now, isn't it interesting uh, you know, that Satan does have that power? to give people visions and so forth. And she basically sees things, and then she writes on them. Well, who's giving her these visions of Harry Potter and sorcery and all this? It's not God. It's not the Holy Spirit. What kind of spirits are promoting this kind of stuff, according to the Bible? Seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. When you go to the Harry Potter book series and you look at the different classes that Harry Potter and the other characters take, different classes on witchcraft and, and divination and so forth. It's interesting because uh, one instructor at Hogwarts says to Harry and the other students, quote, in a, uh, in a divination class, he says to him, quote, we shall start by practicing relaxing the conscious mind and external eyes, the external eyes and the conscious mind relaxing it. So as to clear the inner eye, to clear the inner eye and the superconscious Perhaps if we are lucky, some of you will see before the end of class. What does he mean, see by the end of class? He's talking about closing your physical eyes, opening up to this spiritual or inner eye to where there's a stream of consciousness, is what is called the superconscious, that will come through. And by the end of class, he says, quote, uh, uh, some of you will see before the end of class, perhaps, right? And then guess what? Some of the students receive the gift of sight, capital S, sight. 
Because now they can see they have this, they're attuned into the occult world. Okay, now in witchcraft, think about it. In witchcraft, when you're told in, in the occult, in the New Age movement, and, and so forth, when you're told to, you know, relax your, your physical uh, state of being and open up to the inner eye, according to the scripture, according to the truth, you're opening yourself up to principalities and powers. If somebody gets involved in different forms of the occult and they, uh, you know, turn their mind off and they open themselves up to this inner eye, this third eye, this mind's eye, and they allow streams of revelation to come into them, we understand that as Christians is to be demonic. Okay, they're opening themselves up to the demonic world. Well, isn't it interesting that she describes how she received the Harry Potter series with similar terminology? In fact, she says this, quote, I have a very visual imagination. I see it. Then I try to describe what is in my mind's eye. She says, quote, the character of Harry just strolled into my mind. She says a little bit further down, I really did feel he was someone who walked up and introduced himself in my mind's eye. She says also, I was staring out the window, she says, and the idea of Harry just came. He appeared in my mind's eye, very fully formed. Another place, Harry arrived very, very fully formed. I really did feel as uh, he was someone who walked up and introduced himself in my mind's eye. There is again. Isn't that interesting? Because in her books, you know, you turn off, you know, your, your physical capacities. You open that spiritual capacity so you might have the gift of sight, the occult gift of sight, and receive revelation from the occult spiritual world, where according to the Bible, that's demonic. And guess what? She got this series, basically through these characters being introduced to her, many of them, Harry, fully formed, as they came into her mind's eye. The way she receives much of her, you know, written revelation is very similar to many of the rock stars that come out of England. She's out of England and come out of uh, America and so forth. I mean, you could think of the different rock stars like Robert Plant, who wrote the most, one of the most popular rock songs ever played in America, Stairway to Heaven. You know, him and Jimmy Page and the band Zeppelin, I mean, they had, their, their band had opened themselves up to evil forces. Because Jimmy Page was a follower, still is, uh, of Aleister Crowley, the British magician that helped Gerald Gardner start Wicca, okay? And Crowley's a confessed Satanist. In fact, in our video, They Sold Their Souls for Rock and Roll, we show several quotes from him where he admits following Satan. Crowley openly declared, I swear to work my work abhorred, careless of all but one reward, the pleasure of the devil our Lord, he says. Clearly, the spirituality Crowley taught was that of satanic worship through the practice of magic and sorcery. As Pastor Schimmel has said, Crowley inspired the modern witchcraft movement known as Wicca through a man named Gerald B. Gardner, considered the father of modern witchcraft. Researcher Colin Wilson writes that Gardner was a friend of Crowley's and an initiate of the OTO, Crowley's occult organization, and Crowley authorized him to set up his own magical group. In the 1979 edition of Drawing Down the Moon, Wiccan high priestess Mary Nesnik is quoted as saying, 50% of modern Wicca is an invention bought and paid for by Gerald B. Gardner from Aleister Crowley. The influence of Gardner's witchcraft movement can be readily seen as modern Wicca is embraced by churches, universities, and the United Nations as part of the interfaith movement designed to unite the world religions. 
The Bible foretells of how the spirits of devils would be sent forth to all the world to gather them for Armageddon. Many researchers believe that spirits are, even now, conditioning mankind to come together in preparation for this event, compelling all nations to cast aside the barriers of religion and embrace even the darkest beliefs. Pictured here is Wiccan High Priest Don Frew. Frew is an elder in the Gardnerian traditions of modern witchcraft and has been practicing the craft for over 20 years. He is the high priest of a coven in Berkeley, California and is a member of the Covenant of the Goddess, the largest Wiccan religious organization on earth. Incredibly, this Wiccan High Priest is also a national interfaith representative. At an interfaith gathering, Frew described the following ceremony that he performed with an Episcopalian bishop. He says, quote, a highlight for me was being asked to perform a traditional Wiccan foundation blessing in the closing ceremony. I specifically invoked Hecate and Hermes, demonic spirits by name, and Episcopal Bishop Swing was right there, raising his arms in invocation with the rest of the circle. We have indeed come a long way, he says, concerning the acceptance of witchcraft. Is it possible that sensational works like the Harry Potter books are somehow a part of this conditioning process? Is such work preparing the minds of the next generation to receive the coming Antichrist with magical signs and wonders to be performed by the false prophet? Listen now as Pastor Schimmel explains how spirits have impacted popular culture through some of the most successful artists of the 20th century, not the least of which is author J.K. Rowling. Pastor Schimmel picks it up with Led Zeppelin's Robert Plant, who authored what is known as the most popular rock and roll song of all time, Stairway to Heaven. But from where did the inspiration come for this mysterious song? Isn't it interesting that Robert Plant, when he wrote Stairway to Heaven, he said he was holding a pen and a piece of paper, and he said he was, for some reason, in a very bad mood, and he said, all of a sudden, I started writing automatically, he says, as the words came out, there's a lady who's sure all that glitters is gold, and she's buying a Stairway to Heaven. All of a sudden, this character, not Harry Potter, but this lady that's buying, that thinks all that glitters is gold, that's buying a Stairway to Heaven, just came out of him. And Jimmy Page says, he wrote the three-quarters of the song on the spot. And Robert Plant said when he was looking at the words, he almost leaped out of his seat because it came automatically. Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that probably the biggest rock star to come out of England is John Lennon of the Beatles? And John Lennon said, and I, I, I'll quote him, John Lennon said uh, very, very clearly, but my joy is when you're like possessed, like a medium, you know. I'm just sitting there, and the whole quote, or uh, blanken song comes out. Well, John Lennon said he was like a hollow temple and one spirit would come in and it would leave and then another one would come and another one would leave. And it's interesting because Yoko Ono said something did happen there, speaking of the Beatles. Yoko Ono, John Lennon's widow, says it was, as, it was as if several people gathered around a table and a ghost appeared. It was that kind of communication. So they were like mediums in a way. It was more than four people. They were, weren't conscious of all that they were saying, but it was coming through them. Jimmy Page of Led Zeppelin, he would draw his shades, light his candles, getting his Aleister Crowley uh, paraphernalia out, his, his, his robes and so forth, and practice his magic and stay there with the guitar and just wait for the songs to come through. Okay, just come through them. Okay, these people are in tune with occultic powers. Keith Richards of one of the other biggest bands of the, of, uh, out of England, the Rolling Stones, same deal. He says that the Stones songs come in mass all at once, and he's like a receiver. Puts his finger there, they just come through him, and he writes songs like Demon, which he says because he has four or five demons living in him. They're giving songs. What kind of songs are they giving? Sympathy for the Devil, 
albums like their Satanic Majesty Request. Come on, we need to wake up. When people say, oh, it's not that bad and everything, oh, don't worry. Do you know what the Word of God says about the occult? And some people, you know, it's heartbreaking. Many people are spiritually naive to demonic forces that are out there and what the Bible says they would be doing. So I try to be very, very patient with people who, who, who don't know what the Word of God says about the occult realm or don't know what's going on in the world all around us. I mean, all, the, you know, all kinds of rock stars here from our country. Jim Morrison, you know, he failed. He got a D in film class. So he went to Venice Beach to live and became a bum. He was a street guy. And then he says, he started hearing all these concerts in his head, and, and all of a sudden he was taking notes at this fantastic rock concert. And he says, you know, my subconscious had prepared the whole thing, but then later he admitted, he said, I got in touch with the spirit of music, Satan, and that this was given to him. Okay, it was communicated to him. Audibly, he's hearing the songs, taking notes, and the first four or five hits were from those revelations he received on Venice Beach. And by the way, the doors break on through to the other side. It's all the same thing. The spirit world is trying to communicate to us to break on through to the occult realm, and God forbids it. It is an abomination to him, and it leads right to hell, to eternal torment. So before I was a Christian, I was into the occult, and I remember when I'd write my songs, they would come automatically so often. In fact, many of you have heard my testimony that I had opened myself up to the uh, occult powers, and I had a wizard in my room that was given to me by my next-door neighbor about two and a half feet high or so, and I remember uh, closing my eyes, visualizing, you know, get in touch with, I guess, that inner eye, you know, uh, visualizing my success through reading books like The Power of the Subconscious Mind and so forth. And you know what happened? I began, my music changed radically. I started playing very Eastern sound. My lyrics became very uh, occult-based. Instead of Little Miss Muffet, it was Little Miss Medium, Can You Awaken the Dead Masters of Your Sleep? And I'm not even knowing what a lot of this stuff is. I'm being initiated into the occult through my own lyrics. And I remember mowing the lawn one day when I was 17 years old, and all of a sudden a character strolled into my mind. His name was Tiki Tom. The Indian boy and I had to I couldn't wait man I had to go to my into my house and write down this song and before I knew it man a whole song came out of me like that and it was about Tiki Tom the Indian boy who was stabbing to stay afloat in society's leaky boat and now I'm writing these things I'm not saying okay what's a metaphor for like really doing yourself in when you're trying to survive how about stabbing to stay afloat in society's leaky boat I didn't I didn't think of that man boom stabbing to stay afloat in society's leaky boat and I'm Tiki Tom, the Indian boy. Then things get worse. Cumbersome timber town. Lived and done, winter's wound. Do you know the skies will weep tonight? There's this cumbersome timber town. I had to think this through too, just like you have to. Cumbersome timber town. Lived and done, winter's wound. It's a cumbersome timber town. It's going to live and then be done because winter's wound. It's coming. And Tiki Tom's boat is going to be filled up with water as he's stabbing it. He's going to be done in. Well, what's the answer to the problems here? Wow, there's sure a lot of problems in this song. Guess what happens, man? The song says, is it all worth life on earth to be a fly, a flower, a president without power, a bum in the park, a priest in the dark, a scalp without hair, a town without, with no fear? Is it worth it? Well, guess what? Then comes the new age occult answer. It's not turn to Jesus and get right with him and discover you know, who he is and that you need to be saved by grace because you've offended uh, a holy God by trying to be your own God and do your own thing. No, it was go inward, go inside, just as it's so often taught in the Harry Potter series and in the occult. And the answer was, born into a world of problems and pleasures of all shapes and sizes, reach in your mind, you'll find all kinds of surprises. Color and sound are all around. Our greatest senses remain to be found. In other words, the sixth sense, the seventh sense, occult senses. I'm pushing this stuff, and I'm being initiated into the occult world through these books, my own, my own writing, my own, my, own, my own writing, through practicing visualization, visualization from these books. Boom, outpours all this stuff. Isn't that interesting? And all of a sudden, guess what? Harry, you know, Tiki Tom, he's in big problem. 
because now he's in a dark room. He's struggling to stay afloat in a rippling glass of rum, waiting to be downed by a priest or a bum. See, he was reincarnated into this fly. He's trying to stay afloat again, but he's going to be downed by a priest or a bum because remember, they're earlier in the song. The bum in the park, the priest in the dark. Well, now they're together in relationship, and Harry Potter's going down. And guess what? I didn't say, okay, how can I fit that bum and that priest back into it and, and, and Harry Potter and make him a fly or something? No. Boom, boom, boom. I wrote it, boom. And then I studied it. And I still didn't understand what it meant as much as I do now back when I wrote it. That's how Satan works. Whether it's the woman who is buying the stairway to heaven, thinks out there's gold, or it's Harry Potter, or it's Tiki Tom. Satan gives characters to people, and they dazzle the world with them, and then people go, wow, wow, what are, how artistic. And they start getting away from the truth, and they drift further and further away from God, and more and more into Satan's lies. It's interesting because I was mentioning how Jim Morrison would hear his music. And there's a few times when I was going through that stuff before I became a Christian, where I'd be up at 2 or 3 in the morning waking up with loud, blasted music, even after I woke up from my dream of hard rock music still going, and I couldn't turn it off. I'd wait for it to go off. Okay? It's interesting because Jim Morrison was just taking notes at these fantastic rock concerts. Well, J.K. Rowling, when she uh, uh, comes up with her characters, she gets these, like, visions, and she describes them. But also, listen to what happens as far as the dialogue between the characters. J.K. Rowling says, and I do love writing dialogue. Dialogue comes to me as though I'm just overhearing a conversation. Okay? And it doesn't, it's not like she doesn't like have to think it through. It'll come to her like she's just overhearing a conversation. She's taking notes, you know? And this is what in the occult is, has been called for years automatic writing. In fact, that's heavier automatic writing than I ever did as a, as, uh, a person who was involved in the occult. That's, that's very vivid. Uh, very, very powerful. Uh, you know, what are we going to do about this? Praise God, we can be thankful for this. Even though Satan is the God of this world system that we live in, and the Bible says he's a ruler of this, this world, God is the king of the universe, amen? And he could just step on Satan anytime he wants, and he allows Satan to exist and his demons to exist, to lead people astray, to test people, to see whether that they will be choose him, choose God, or they'll choose Satan whether they'll be wheat or tares, sheep or goats. And uh, it's important for us to know the Bible says, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world, right? And if God be for us, who can be against us? God wins in the end. Read the end of the Bible, the last few chapters of the book Revelation. Jesus Christ comes back, and he triumphs, and he reigns. Amen? However, in the meantime, we live in a very, very dark world that's becoming more and more occult-based, and we need to protect our children. And the Bible says to train your children up in the way that they should go, and then when they're old, they will not depart. We need to be training them according to the word. We're told in the book of Deuteronomy that we're to teach them the word when we lay down with them, when we're walking with them, uh, you know, when, 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 when we're hanging out with them. We're supposed to be teaching them the word, meditating on the word day and night, all the time, you guys. Not feeding them Harry Potter. Not saying, hey, kid, learn to read. Or, you know, maybe this will keep him busy and he'll babysit him for a while. No, we're not supposed to be giving them occult abominations. We're supposed to be giving them the word of God. The truth, because Satan is the father of lies, and Satan is using all kinds of tactics. We need to be aware. The Bible says that our minds are to be dressed in readiness, and Peter says in 1 Peter 5, he says, Be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. We need to be aware of what's going on, and we need to be involved in spiritual warfare as believers. The Bible says, Submit therefore to God, in James chapter 4. It says, Submit therefore to God, and it says, Resist the devil, and he will what? Flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Purify your hands, you sinners, and double-minded and so forth. Get right with God. 
And if we have devilish stuff in our homes, we need to deal with it, man. And we need to watch out because Satan is after the mind. He's after the imagination. That's where he plants all kinds of seeds. You know, people that you see doing all kinds of wicked things, it didn't just happen overnight, man, there were seeds planted. Okay? Now it's important to know that Satan is after the mind. That's why Paul said, that's why Paul says, I fear lest as a serpent beguiled Eve through a subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity of your devotion to Christ. We have to watch what we put into our minds because Jesus says the good man takes out of the good that's stored up in his heart and the evil man takes the evil that's stored up in his heart. Are you going to feed your heart with occult blasphemies and abominations or are you going to feed your heart with the word of God and your mind with the word of God? In fact, one aspect of spiritual warfare is casting down imaginations. Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5, that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or physical, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. This stuff is from the pit and is contrary to the knowledge of God and condemned in the word of God. We're supposed to cast down these imaginations and bring every thought it says captive into the obedience of Jesus Christ. Amen? We need to stay focused on spiritual things. In fact, well, what kinds of things should we be involved in then, Joe? Well, Paul says it. I said it's not about opinion. It's about the Word of God. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true. Finally, brethren, whatever is true. Is this Harry Potter fiction true? Okay. Is it glory? Well, parables aren't necessarily true, but they, 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 they encourage us to follow the Lord more closely. Amen? They encourage us to follow the truth. Does Harry Potter encourage you to follow Jesus more closely? Does Harry Potter teach what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? I mean, she's spent a lot of ink, man. And everything is a diversion from Jesus Christ and exalts the kingdom of darkness. It says, finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, this is not pure. It's mixed with a bunch of uh, abominations. Whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute. If there is any excellence and anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. You know what? I want to dwell on those kinds of things. Amen. And praise God, man. The Lord has given us many, many wonderful things. And Christians are the happiest people in the world. True Christians that love Jesus are the happiest people in the world, man. And you know what? I have all kinds of statistics from those uh, regarding those who get involved in the occult and the tragedies that happen in their lives and possession and all kinds of things that take place that we'll look at another part in this series we're doing on Harry Potter. What should we do if we have Harry Potter books? What, what kind of action should we take? Well, what would you do if you found out that your child had pornography? Okay? And this pornography glorified, you know, you know, fornication and adultery and pedophilia and uh, bestiality and things like that, or even just one of those things. What would you do with it? What would you do with it? You'd get rid of it, amen? you destroy it. Would you give it to your friend and say, you know what, we don't want to read this, but you might like it? No. That's like handing them poison, isn't that? So no, you would get rid of it. Well, guess what? We've discovered from the Word of God in both the Old and the New Testament that a sorcery and occultism and magic arts and witchcraft and wizardry are condemned in the Scripture. Just like sexual immorality is, isn't it? So what should we do with our books, any books that we may have that glorify the occult? Well, let's let the Word of God answer that. Check this out. In Acts chapter 19, verses 18 and 19, we read this regarding the church at Ephesus and what they did, because many of them were into books that glorified the occult. And it says, quote, 
Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed their evil deeds. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas, or pieces of silver. They burned them. They got rid of them. I'm not saying you have to publicly burn uh, your Harry Potter books, but what I am saying is that the scriptures give us an example that we should destroy uh, anything that exalts uh, the occult world that God condemns. Uh, so how would I treat it? The same way I would treat pornography, the same way I would treat uh, books that would glorify serial killing and other things that are abominable to God. Now I want to let you know right now, you might be hearing this and you might be saying, wow, I can't believe I'm watching this. I've been in the Harry Potter series, but I didn't even know what the Bible said about it. I didn't even know about Jesus Christ. And I've opened myself up to these forces because I'm going to tell you something else I've read on the Scholastic website. Her publisher, Rowling's publisher, I've read about kids having occult experiences. Walking down, walking somewhere, getting hit in the back of the head. Boom. And not knowing where it came from. Oh, they're being opened up to the spiritual realm. And you, might, you need to know right now. You need to know right now, whoever you are, you're reading this stuff, or you have been, you're saying, you know what? God's word has convicted me. I, I, don't, I, I realize it's sin. I see what God says about it. I see that he says, when thou art come to the land, thou shalt not learn to do the abomination of those nations. And he mentions wizardry and necromancy and, and witchcraft and consulting spirits and all those things I'm reading about in the Harry Potter series. And I don't want anything to do with anything that, that glorifies the devil or breaks God's heart. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to know this. It's not in vain that you're watching this right now. It's not in vain because you know what? The Lord God loves you and he wants you to know him. And the scriptures say that uh, we've all broken God's law. Every one of us has broken his commandments and all have sinned and come short of God's glory. But the Bible says the wages of sin is death. You see, we die because of our rebellion against God. It's a penalty because of our rebellion. Whether it's witchcraft or whether it's sexual promiscuity or whether it's thievery or murder or whatever. But you know what the Word of God teaches? Teaches that Jesus Christ, that God, became a man. And the reason he died on the cross was to pay the penalty, pay the fine that you deserve. What kind of fine did you deserve? Eternal separation from God, eternal death, damnation. Jesus, when he died on the cross, he experienced the wrath of God. And then he rose again on the third day. He died in your place. And if you say, you know what? I'm done with Harry Potter. I want to follow the Lord Jesus Christ right now. I want to be saved. I want to get into the holy city. I don't want to go to the lake of fire where it says the witches and the wizards go. I want to live with the Lord forever. Well, the scriptures say that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, Jesus Christ died to save you. He died and he rose again. And if you call upon him and ask him to save you, if you, if you turn... Just like they did at the church of Ephesus. They turned, they confessed their evil deeds, and they got rid of their books on sorcery. They turned from evil to Christ. If you turn from the occult, if you turn from the broad road, all those evil things, you say, Lord, I turn to you. I can't be perfect in my own power. And, I don't, and I'm not even trying to earn my salvation, but I turn to you and accept the free gift of salvation. I want the straight and narrow road. I want Jesus. You'll be saved. The Bible says, whoever calls my name of the Lord shall be saved. I encourage you to do that right now. And if you have these kind, this kind of stuff in your house, get rid of it, man. Throw it in the trash. You know, don't throw a hole in the trash, man. Rip a bunch of pages out, man, so you don't want to feed this poison to anybody else. But get rid of it and renounce it and denounce it. And you know what? We're called to do this. The Bible says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather what? Expose them. 
We're called to not have fellowship with this stuff, but to expose it for what it is. And I've tried to do that by God's grace. I pray that the Holy Spirit would empower me and lead me. And I've, we've used a ton of different scriptures uh, that make it very, very clear. In fact, I was talking to uh, Brother Steve uh, just before I went on. Uh, and Steve was talking about, man, this is just so obvious to so many Christians, but how come some people can't see it, you know? Uh, and it's heartbreaking. It's true. But you know what? There needs, it's, it's about the heart. Where's your heart? Do you really love God? Do you really want to put Jesus before Harry? I, I hope so, because Harry will lead you into the pit. Jesus will lead you into the eternal kingdom. Right now, I want you to join with me in a prayer for Joanne Rowling and all the kids and the people that she's been leading astray. Father, we come before you in your son's holy name. And we love you so much, Father. And we thank you that you've opened our eyes to the truth, Father. We thank you that you've shown us uh, through your word uh, the difference between good and evil. That you've protected us from darkness, from oppression and obsession and possession, Father. We thank you that you've saved us from eternal damnation. We pray in your son's name that you would speak to Joanne Rowland's heart. We beg you right now even though she's still writing books on this series. We pray that uh, she, you would just stop in her tracks, that she'd fall on her face before you, that she'd know that your son says, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? And that she would know that Jesus warned that if even one of his little ones is led astray, it would be better for the person that led that little one astray to have a millstone hung around his or her, her neck and thrown into the sea than the judgment that they're going to face for eternity. And I pray the fear of God would come upon her, Father, and that then she'd see your kindness and your love and your mercy and how Jesus died for her and that she'd turn to him and be saved, Father. And we pray for the millions of children and adults who are reading this series right now. Father, we beg you in your son's name that you would turn as many people through this video, Father, through this series from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light from Satan, the father of lies, to Jesus, the Lord of truth. Because Jesus said, Father, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. And if the Son sets us free, he said, we would be free indeed. Father, we thank you for setting us free from eternal death, from sin, from darkness, and from the kingdom of the evil. And we thank you for salvation. We thank you that we are going to walk in the heavenly city. In your Son's name we pray. Amen. Amen.